church. I mentioned last week that um, we hit our six-month mark as a church. Um, we've been up and running for six months now, and um, which is awesome. We're still here. No, um, but uh, thank you for kind of jumping off that cliff with us. Um, um, but someone sent me a video this week of, of what it's like. Um, actually, the, the host church, the church that hosts us here, they, they started about 20 years ago. And he said, he sent me this video saying, hey, this is, what's, this is what it's like starting a church. So I have a video of, if you want to know what it's like starting a church, go ahead and direct your attention to the screens. Some people like to climb mountains. I like to build planes in the air. Yeah, that's, that's what it's kind of been like uh, launching a new church. You, you launch, but you're building it while it's in the air and while it's moving. And so just thank you guys for jumping on board with us. It's been a, an awesome, crazy, wonderful ride. And uh, to God be all the glory. So, um, all right, I've got a message for you guys today. Um, two weeks ago, uh, we kicked off a new series for the summer. Um, we're going through actually our core values as a church. Um, so uh, the, the title of this series is called Our Culture, and um, we mentioned this the last few weeks, but we're, we're wanting to prayer walk um, our entire city. And so, um, by the way, if you, um, there's a map out there, we're trying to highlight all the areas of the city, and we're trying to prayer walk the entire city as we're doing the summer series. And um, if check that map out there, check the neighborhood that you're in. And if your neighborhood hasn't been highlighted yet, um, prayer walk your neighborhood. You can just and, and some people are like, how do I, what do I do while I pray? Am I like shout and praying in tongues while I'm walking down the street? No, um, just like pray, intercede, like the the for for the churches in that area, pray and intercede for the Christians in that area, that the people who don't know Jesus, that their eyes would be open. I mean, those kind of things. And and God will give you strategy. Actually, he'll he'll show you like what's going on in your neighborhood, and he'll give you strategy of what to pray. And so please do that. But also we have some corporate prayer walks. Um, so um, every Saturday, um, and there's a little flyer out there in the foyer. If you want to jump in on one of these, you can prayer walk with some folks. And so that's kind of fun sometimes. And uh, so take advantage of that. All right. But um, as we're prayer walking, neighborhood, I just I felt like it was important for us to hone in on our core values as a church. Because it's kind of the summer months, and fall for churches tends to be a swell of attendance. There's new, there's new people. And I thought it's so important for us as a church to know who we are, right? Know uh, what we believe, why we believe it, how we think, why we think it, how we act, and why we act that way, right, as a church. And I don't know if you guys know this, but every church has a culture, right? When our core values are put into practice and forms the church's culture, every church has a culture, and um, whether this one, the one down the street, they all have a culture. And I don't we don't, it's not necessarily the best way to just, by default, find out what that culture is. Let's just 
find out by default. We actually want to get ahead of that and decide what are the values, what are the things that are important to us that inform our culture. And we can actually um, help steer that direction. So I think it's a valuable thing that we're doing. So two weeks ago, we um, uh, just go through our core values as a church here. We talked about what it means to love God passionately. This is our premier value. And um, I did a sermon called The Ultimate Summit. If you didn't hear that one, you can go back to our um, website, citylights.church, and look at the podcast. And um, that's there for you. Last week, um, we, we honed in and talked about our second core value, which is that we are a family. We find belonging and well-being in authentic community. And so last week, um, the key word there is authentic. Last week, I honed in on the word authentic and why you don't just need community, you need authentic community. And I gave the example of my wife and I's marriage and um, um, just how we were in ministry full-time. We're actually doing well in ministry full-time. Things were great, but then some stresses of life started to rise up in our lives, and we didn't come together. We actually started, like, ripping apart at the seams. And our marriage actually struggled um, being in full-time ministry. This is years ago. And... um, one of the things we didn't have and we realized that we really needed was authentic community. And so for us, that played itself out. We, we actually joined a small group that we weren't leading, that we weren't in charge of, and um, that the people in it weren't in our ministry. And it actually gave us a place to be vulnerable about our lives and about our ministry and how things were going. And, um, and that actually became, for us, um, we were just looking back. It was a turning point in our marriage, a turning point for us, and things actually um, started to become better. And so it's, um, and I was talking with um, Matt and Matt and Joy Henderson this last week about authentic, being authentic. And, and Joy was saying, it's actually, um, being authentic in and of itself isn't like all you need. Because being authentic is like, well, this is who I am. Well, sometimes the who you are is messed up, right? Like that in and of itself, like I woke up this morning, the authentic me needed to brush my teeth, right? The authentic me needed to shower, needs to shower every day. Well, just being authentic means you might have bad breath and not smell good, right? So it needs to be more than just being authentic. It needs to be vulnerable. Like you're authentic, which, which says to people around you, you can see in. You can see the way I am. You can see the way I operate. I'm authentic. But then vulnerability takes it one step further and says, okay, now you can't just, you're not just given the ability to see into my life. You're giving the ability to speak into my life, right? And so we all need people in our lives they can see in and they can speak in. They can give influence and help us change. So uh, authentic and then one step further is vulnerability. So we talked about that last week as a church family. That's, that's our heart as a church family. We want our church to be authentic. We want our church to be vulnerable. I know you live in this world. I know like you have problems. <laughs> like we're, we're not trying to put a facade up here. Like we all deal with stuff. And so, but we want to be a church where we deal with that stuff as a family together. Amen. Yeah. So that's what we talked about last week. And um, by the way, I'm going to, I need a little more room up here. If I start running, you know. Okay, so that was last week. Today, um, we're going to go through core value number three. We honor people. Let me just review real quickly the rest of them. Number four, our core value is God is good. I'm excited about talking about the goodness of God. Number five, anything is possible. Number six, we rest in the finished work of the cross. Number seven, we live generously. Number eight, we, we serve wholeheartedly. Number nine, we value the family of Christ. Number 10, we will go. We will shine the love of Jesus in our world, in our community. So this week, we're honing in on core value uh, number three, which is we honor, honor people. And the tag to we honor you. By the way, all these core values are on our 
on our website. If you ever want to look up, um, it's under our cult. There's a tab, our culture. You can see like what is our core values and, and why are they important to us. So, but this is the tag um, next to we honor people. Every person is valuable and created in the image of God. Jesus paid the price to redeem every individual. We love, honor, and treat all people with dignity. Okay, so why is this, why is honoring people one of our core values? Um, in the simplest form, I will say this, um, because as a church, I want to be effective. And honoring people is one of the ways that we can be effective. Actually, I had lots more I wanted to say about honor. This, in fact, this message is more of a why honor than a how to honor. Like I could probably do a whole one or two other messages on honor. But so it's, it's really today's going to be more about why do we honor people not necessarily how we honor people, but there's a lot more I wanted to say about this. But our mission statement as a church is we exist to light up the world with the love of Jesus, right? How do we do that? One of the ways we do that is through honoring people. Okay, so when someone walks through those doors, when you walk through those doors, we want people to receive the honor they deserve, the love, honor, and the dignity they deserve. How do we do that? Okay, so this is how we do that. We recognize people for their potential not their problem, right? We recognize people for their potential, not their problem. We recognize people for their potential, not their past necessarily, right? Um, my, my dad is, uh, I didn't see my dad in church this morning, but my dad is um, restoring a 1953 Ford pickup. And that's, uh, that's pretty old, 1953 is pretty old. My dad was born in 1954, so if you can imagine something being even older than that, he's restoring a 1953 <laughs> pickup, okay? If you could possibly imagine that. I'm sure he feels so honored right now. So, But <laughs> my dad, he got this truck when it was, it's run down, it's rusted, and many people would look at that run down, rusted old truck, and they would say, the only thing you could really do with that is take it to the scrapyard and mount it down for metal, right? But my dad didn't see that truck for where it is. He saw that truck for where it could be. He saw that truck for its potential, its restore value. Okay, so I have a couple pictures of, of this truck, so go ahead and put up. So that's um, when he got it, it's all rusted and whatever, go to the next one. So this is when he started working on the engine compartment there. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. So this is where it's currently at, it's not painted yet, but it's getting close to being painted. Go ahead and go a couple more here. So it's, he's working on it, getting it together, and then what it will look like when it's done being painted is something, something like this. Okay, so, and I think he might even paint it something like that color. So he's been working on this old 1953 Ford pickup. It was, it was messed up when he got it, but he saw, he had a picture in his mind for what it could be, right? Listen, when people walk through our doors as a church, we don't want people to walk, we don't want them walking through our doors and thinking like, wow, that guy has, that guy has problems, that guy's messed up, right? That girl has problems, that girl's messed up. We want to see people, not for where they are, but what their potential value is, Amen. And don't you want people to do that for you? <laughs> like, when you have a bad day, when you mess up, when you, you know, just mess up in front of your spouse, you don't want them being like, well, this is who you are. You want them thinking like, no, you're better than this. God wants to call you higher. Amen? And so we all have problems. Some of our problems are obvious. Some of our problems are well hidden, right? Um, but God, it takes God's perspective to see people for their potential. Um, I'm going to tell a science joke. Now... Um, I'm going to set up the joke slash ruin it at the same time. Here's why I'm setting it up slash ruining it at the same time. Number one, I'm afraid that like a lot of people wouldn't get the joke. So 
Um, I'm setting it up. Or you would get it, but then like two minutes from now, okay? So we need you to get it right now. So I'm going to set up the joke. It's a science joke. All right, so you guys know what potential energy is. Potential energy. I'll give you an example. A compressed spring has more potential energy than a relaxed spring. A wound-up clock has more potential energy than a clock that's not wound up. A stretched rubber band has more potential energy than a relaxed rubber band. Um, objects in a gravity well that are up higher have more potential energy than an object on the ground. You guys, you guys with me so far? Okay, good. Charged batteries have more potential energy than drained batteries. Okay, so, here, so now you, you've got the context. I've sufficiently ruined this joke, but here we go. A physicist sees a guy standing on the corner of a rooftop and shouts, Don't do it! You have so much potential! <laughs> See, even that was kind of slow and delayed. Some of you still don't know why that's funny. <clears throat> the title of my message today is Potential. All right, every human being has potential. Look at your neighbor and say, you have potential. Somebody, somebody next to you needs to hear they have potential. They came to church just for that. Listen, if, whether, you're, whether you're saved, someone is saved or not saved, like, if they're saved, there's some realized potential, right? If they're not saved, they're not giving their life to Jesus yet, there is a lot of potential there, even in people who haven't given their lives to Jesus yet. We don't look at people for where they're at. We look at people for where they're going, right? Um, as a church, we want to be a place where people can belong before they believe. Okay, so um, every, why does every person have potential? This is why. Every person was created in the likeness and the image of God with a plan, purpose, and destiny. God didn't just make you. He made you, and then he also put with you a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for your life. He didn't just, here you go. You know, you're not just an accident. He created you with all that, with all that in, in mind. Okay, so we're going to hone in on this verse, Genesis 1.26. We're going to hone in on this. I want to just pick this apart a little bit this morning. Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. All right, let me break this verse down a little bit. Um, first of all, what does it mean to be made in the image? What does it mean to be made in the image of something? You're made in the image of God. Um, the word image here, it's in the Hebrew, it's from an unused root meaning to shade a phantom, i.e. figuratively, um, illusion, resemblance, hence a representative figure, especially of an idol or an image. So they use this, they use this Greek word to talk about, you know, a, a graven image, an idol or whatever, but it's also used here to describe the way, the pattern that we are made after. So what, the, what, what I want to hone in on here is, notice it says to shade, to overshadow. I imagine God like... He's getting ready to, he created animals and he created plants and he created the earth. And he's like, I want to create man. What do I create man like? And he's looking down and he sees a shadow. And he says, you know what? That's the pattern I'm going to use to create mankind. It's, it would be like if you put your hand on a piece of paper and you used your hand to trace out another hand. Well, that, that hand, that image was created in your image, right? This is what it's like when God created us. He it's like we are his shadow. He used his shadow as a template for you and for me. Okay? So God didn't just create you. When he created you, he used himself as the pattern. All right? And so right there, boom, you should see potential in your own life. You should see potential in the people around you that God created. He used himself as the pattern. Like, come on, guys. 
We aren't, we're not created to be like cows or different things. We're created like in the image of God. I don't know if God looks like a person or if it was like the way he created our spirit to be like his or to, to have fellowship with him. I'm not sure how all that works. All I know is this is amazing. It says we are created to be like him, to be created in his image. Okay, so let's look at this verse again, Genesis 1.26. <clears throat> Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? So that they may rule. Okay, God created you in his image. Why? So that, or in order that, you may rule. He wanted us to have rule. He wanted us to have dominion here on earth, right? He wanted us to subdue. And he said, in order to do that, I need to make you like me because I can't make you like anything and expect you to do this job. He made you for a specific job. He made you for a specific purpose. So you were created to rule. Look at your neighbor again and say, you were created to rule. Say, you rule. Come on, that's good right there. It's good right there. You guys rule, all right? Okay, so let's rule over what? Let's look at this one last time. I'll show you rule over what. Um, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Simply put, God gave man dominion or to, to gave him um, the ability to subdue and to control and to bring into subjection the earth. This is part of his creation and the earth. But specifically, it says here, there are some creatures that we're supposed to rule over, and one of those creatures is one who moves along the ground. Can you guys think of a creature that was in the garden that moved along the ground? Go ahead, this is, where, this is interactive at this point now. What? I heard a snake, I heard a serpent, I heard a sire hissing, right? There was, a, there was a creature placed in the Garden of Eden, a serpent, and look at this. God said, rule over all the creatures and the ones that move along the ground. Come on, that's good right there. Do you ever wonder why God put the serpent in the garden of, of, Eve, of Eden with Adam and Eve? The devil wasn't put in the garden to deceive man. Man was put in the garden to rule over the enemy, to rule over Satan. That's actually your created value. That's who God's made you to be. So every time the devil saw man, it was like the shadow of God was being cast over them, right? Every time he sees you, it's supposed to be as though the shadow of God is being cast over the enemy. Amen? You imagine how scary it'd be if you, I mean, you're out doing something, you're minding your own business, you're kneeling down, and all of a sudden, like, a big shadow overcasts you. Like, that'd be pretty scary, right? <laughs> right? You're out, you're out hiking or whatever, you're camping, some big shadow overshadows you. That would be scary. I think that's the way God created us to be in this world where the serpent was here, and we're supposed to be like the shadow of God. Okay, so we're supposed to rule over the devil. <clears throat> so, but listen, this is what happened. <clears throat> what happened was, man was supposed to rule over God's creation, rule over the serpent, but the serpent tricked man, right? And instead of that, man fell, right? Man, it's called, when man sinned, it was called the fall of man, right? Or in other words, Going back to my nerdy science joke, man lost his potential, right? Okay, but God is not in the business of losing, is he? God's not in the business of losing. So um, I want to look at this, um, if, if you would turn to Luke chapter 10. Jesus was doing his public ministry, and Jesus, um, he's going from town to town, and he still needed to go to the Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum, these other towns. But he wanted to send people ahead of him. So he finds 72 people besides his apostles, and he says to them, he, 
he says, I want you to go ahead of me and tell them the kingdom of God is near. And he, and he gives them, he gives them power. He gives them authority, sends them out, right? And so the, all these, these 72, they come back to Jesus with joy. And, and they're saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name, right? So they're pumped. They're excited. And Jesus Jesus is excited about this too. The, the, he says, don't rejoice that the, the demons submit your name, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. But Jesus is excited about this. These guys are excited about this. And this is what Jesus said. He says, oh, I know, I know what was happening. I know these demons were submitting to your name. Because here's why. Luke 10, verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This is a picture of Satan being cast down. This is a picture of Satan losing his authority. Remember, I talked about potential energy. Uh, this is a picture of Satan losing his potential. But who did, who did Satan give his potential? Or I'm sorry, who did God give the potential to? Right? Come on. He took the potential away from the enemy because it was meant for us in the first place. And God gave it back to us, restored it to us because we were created to have that potential. And he restores it to us. Then he goes on, Luke 10, verse 19. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes, right? To trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy Nothing will harm you. Amen? So he's, he, gives, he gave the 72, and I believe by, by virtue of us being believers, it follows through to us that we can take that authority as well in Jesus, and we can trample over scorpions and, and snakes, right? Scorpions, snakes. I wonder if Jesus was more calling us back to our created purpose here to subdue the serpent than suggesting that we should like bring snakes in the church, right? <laughs> If, you're, if, this is your first, if this is your first time at Sea Light Church, at the end of the service, we bring out snakes every week. And we let them bite us to prove that we have faith. So, welcome to church. Okay, we're not one of those churches. But, but God has called you to have dominion and authority over the snake. Amen? This is part of your creative purpose. You were called to rule over devils and over demons. All right? So, but Satan wants to twist it. He wants to pervert it. You guys know what the definition of perversion is? Check this out. This is the definition of perversion. It's the alteration of something from its original course, meaning, or state to distort or, uh, to a distortion or corruption of what it was first intended. Your original design, God's first intention for you was to rule, was to subdue. And I'm not talking about like control, like we're not here to control like the world. We're here to like have kingdom authority and to serve our world, right? But we're not here to have, you know, um, we, someone had mentioned earlier, I think it was Evan actually, that there's someone who reads their Bible, but then their, their thoughts are like, they're still battling their thoughts. Like that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have um, victory over your thought life, Amen. And so Satan tries to twist it um, to get you off of what you were first designed for. He tries to flip it so that you would serve the servant. Your original design was to subdue the devil by delegated authority. All right, he wants to twist things. All right, how does he do this? This is how, this is how Satan tries to twist it to get you to serve, the, to serve the servant, right? This is how he tries to twist it. Money is a great tool, but a terrible lord. Sex is a great gift, but a terrible master. Food is, a wonderful, is wonderful to enjoy, but a terrible God. Emotions are a great compass of how you feel, but you're not supposed to be ruled by them, right? 
How many of you know God doesn't want you, doesn't mind, God doesn't mind you having things, but he does mind things having you, right? So this is how he tries to operate in our lives. Get, get our priorities off of God. I love money. I love this. This thing's controlling me. This thing's ruling me. You're no longer in dominion. You're no longer in control. And this is how he tries to twist it and flip it. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says this. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The kingdom of air is talking about Satan because he works in the realm of the soul. He works in the realm of the mind. He tries to plant thoughts in us. Verse 3, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So this is how... This is how, what it looks like to be twisted. This is what it looks like to be perverted. Verse 4, but, I like that but. Don't you guys like that but? <laughs> but, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead and our transgressions. Hallelujah. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God, watch this, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Listen, God God took us, the fallen man, we were, cast down, we, were, we, were, we were cast down by virtue of giving up our authority by what Adam did. But God has, in Christ Jesus, raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Listen, we were restored to our potential. We were restored to our created value in Christ Jesus. Why would God do such a thing? Number one, I mentioned this earlier, because he, number one, he doesn't like losing. He's not a loser. He's not in the business of losing, right? He wanted our, our initial cre um, created value to, to know him, to have fellowship with him, to walk with him, right, hand in hand, to subdue and have authority over the serpent. And he's not into losing. He didn't like seeing us in that state. He loves us too much to leave us there. And this is why he sent Jesus, okay? Um, Ephesians 2.7 this is what's going to, this is, this is amazing. Why did he do this? Ephesians 2, 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So there is coming, there's a coming party. How many like parties? I like parties. There's a coming party where his inexpressible riches of his grace are going to be expressed to us in Christ Jesus. Well, that's good news right there. All right. What do we do in the, what do we do in the meantime? Look at verse 8 through 10. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast, right? So that salvation comes by faith, not by works. But watch this, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How many know you're not saved by your good works, but you are saved for your good works? This is what we're supposed to be doing in the meantime. Let me say it this way. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus with the potential that he originally designed for you to have. Amen? You were, you were restored in Christ with the potential that he originally created you, with you to have. Why is this so important? What does this have to do with honor? What does this have to do with the core value of honor? I said at the beginning, but when we realize, when we see people walk through the doors, we need to realize that they too, wherever they're at in life, they too are called to be giant killers. Right? They, are, they are, too are called to be serpent slayers, to tread and to have dominion and authority over, over the enemy. So we want to recognize people for their potential, not the problems. We want to recognize people for their potential, not their past. Amen? All right, let me go at this one more angle, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap this up. Last week I talked about how the plan of God in your life 
um, part of God's plan for your life is to be connected to people. And we talked about family. We talked about community, how that's so important. And there's some things that God wants to give you that he won't just give you. He wants to give it through someone else. So part of, what, part of a, a breakthrough, the breakthrough in my life that God wants to give to me, he's placed in some of you. And part of the breakthrough that he has for your life, he's placed in me. And maybe part of the breakthrough he has for you is the person sitting across the room for you because he's called us to be part of a family, right? He's called us to be connected. And some things are not just going to happen by ourselves. He just, he's just set it up that way because he's sneaky, right? Jehovah sneaky. But <laughs> so, which is awesome. So we need each other. But listen, how do we access how I want to talk to you today real quick about how do we access the gift of God in each other? Because you need the gift of God in the person sitting next to you. You need the gift of God in your spouse. Amen. Yeah. You need the gift of God um, of the body of Christ. I want to talk to you about how to access that gift. Okay. In Mark chapter six, um, Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was primarily raised in Nazareth. And it says, when Jesus came there, it says, when, when the Sabbath came, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So these people started off like, whoa, this is amazing. This guy has amazing stuff. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What is this wisdom he, that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles that he's performing? So there's, there's revel, there, he has revelation, he has wisdom, he has power. Like This is not like the other teachers of the law. Like what is, What's going on here? Then look at this, verse 3. Isn't this, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of uh, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then it says, and they took offense at him. So they went from, we're amazed, to we're now offended at him. Jesus said this, verse 4. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own home. He said, a prophet has honor everywhere they go, except for when people, where people are like really familiar with this person in their hometown, right? And, and it says, verse 5, and he could not do many miracles there except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Notice, this is, this is an amazing portion of scripture. Notice that it didn't say he, he would not do miracles. It actually says that Jesus, and I don't even have a place for this in my theology. I don't even know how this works. It doesn't say that Jesus... Um, would not heal them. It, it says he could not heal them. And so um, it didn't say he didn't want to do miracles. It says he could not. Something about their lack of honor for Jesus actually limited what God wanted to do in their midst. There were some more things God wanted to do in their midst. And something about their lack of recognizing who Jesus was was limiting what God wanted to release through Jesus. They went from being amazed to being offended. What, what's, what's the, how do they go from being amazed to being offended? You ever been amazed by someone like, this guy is great, this, this person's amazing, and then later offended them? I want to say something that probably happens in the middle. Over-familiarity, right? Because familiarity breeds contempt, right? Sometimes the person sitting next to you or the person up here or whatever, sometimes we're too familiar with people and we count them. We, don't, we fail to recognize the amazing gift that God has given us. We have failed to recognize the amazing grace that God has working through us. Like there's a lot of gifts available to this room. I'm, I'm not possessing nearly half the gifts of, of what is in this church, but we need to recognize each other and be able to honor each other to, to draw out and pull out 
those gifts. <clears throat> Sometimes we limit God, we limit what God wants to accomplish in our midst by because we're offended by the vessel that he sent. Right? They were offended at that vessel, and it was limiting what God wanted to do. Um, I'll say it this way. Prejudice, right? Do you know what prejudice means? Prejudice means to prejudge. I made a pre, I prejudged, I predetermined, I, oh, I know you, you know. Um, they, they prejudged him as kid Jesus, because I saw kid Jesus growing up. Jesus was the kid. I was like, get off my lawn, kid Jesus. And now he's here healing people, right? I don't think it had lawns, but you know what I'm saying? Listen, I just, to make this super practical, there are some kids over in our children's church, and uh, actually a good example of this is Matt and Jory's daughter, Ava. Like, I've seen Ava, um, I've seen her get in trouble, you know. Um, I've seen her, like, interrupt meetings we're trying to have. That's, you know, it's Ava. But then a couple weeks ago, they went, they went out to Bethel, and Ava was, like, praying for people. God is flowing through her. Like, you know what I mean? So I would be, I would be, we would be um, silly, not to stop every once in a while and say, you're not the person I know. You're the person who God created you to be. And God can flow through you. And we have to give each other permission every once in a while to graduate from where we were, to, to be honored and to be recognized, to move forward. Because God, those kids over there, the ones that come to our house and you know, sometimes mess things up because we're having meetings and stuff like that. Like I'm talking about all of our director's kids and stuff like that. <laughs> like some of those kids are going to be world changers. You know what I mean? And I don't want to always keep them in this box of like, turn the light off, you know, <laughs> get off my lawn. Oh, that's just kid Jesus over there. I saw him grow up in this town. I saw him playing whatever. I'm familiar with this kid. And they failed to recognize, they failed to honor the gift of God that he was supposed to be them. They failed to recognize he was the Messiah. Like he was sent from heaven to be the savior of the world. It's the same with us. When we fail to, to honor one another, when we fail to recognize in one another the gift of God that God's placed in each other, we limit what God wants to do. And so I would just say the person to the left of you, the person to the right of you, give yourself permission to see them for their potential, not because, oh, I know them, and I know what they did last week, and oh, that guy used to be in my small group, and that was when he was back in the bars, and he was still sleeping around, and he kept messing up. I know who that guy is, right? I know who that girl is. She was, she, I knew her from 10 years ago, and I taught her everything she knows, right? Like, this is what we do sometimes, but what we, don't, what we fail to recognize is sometimes we need to allow people Hey, they've come a long way. God's doing a new thing in them. There's a grace moving in them. If we recognize and honor that grace, we are able to have access to the gift that God's placed in them. This is good preaching. I don't know if you knew that. So, <clears throat> so look out for prejudice. Look out for prejudging people. That person's too young. That person's too old. That person's too black. That person's too white, too yellow, too brown. That person tells too many physics jokes. <laughs> got for that. I've got potential though, okay? All right, I'm growing. That person's too male. That person's too female, right? That person's a mess. I saw them all messed up. Pastor Kurt's too young. Pastor Matt's too bald. <laughs> this carpet's too red, right? Sometimes we limit each other's potential. But in order for, to see people for their potential, we need to allow them to graduate from familiar to extraordinary, okay? We need to constantly remember this. This is why we honor people as a church. We want them to graduate from familiar to extraordinary. There are people walking through those doors. They don't know Jesus, and they're going to do extraordinary things for Jesus. Amen? You're going to do In fact, maybe this is for, even for you. Do you honor the gift in yourself? Do you honor the gift in yourself, the gift of God that he's placed in you? 
Do you even know what that gift is? Do you even know what your gifts are? Come on. I encourage you, find out what God has placed in you. Find out the gift of God that he's placed in you. And it's going to be for other people many times. It'll be for you, but many times it'll be for other people. And you need to access other people's gift for yourself because that's the way God has set it up. Amen? Okay, so we want to honor. Honor draws out God's potential. Next week, we're doing um, this. It's, it's like an all-family, all fa- church family service. We're going to have some kids in here, right? And then we're going we're gonna to do service, and we're going to go out afterwards and, and baptize a bunch of kids. And by the way, if you want to be baptized, please, um, please do that. It's going to be an awesome time. But I just want to say, there's going to be some kids in here, and would you help me honor these kids? Because some of these kids are going to be world changers. And like, if some of them get a chance to pray for you, we want some of them to pray for you. Like, don't be offended by the vessel, because it'd be just like God to flow through a little kid, right? Um, and I said this last week. I don't care if you've been saved 30 years or 30 minutes. Like, if you feel like you have a word or you want to pray for me, I'm pretty like, it'd be just like God to flow through you if you've been saved for 30 minutes, right? For the breakthrough that I've been believing for for like the last several years. It'd be just like God to give it to someone who I just led to the Lord, right? So um, don't limit what God wants to do because of the vessel. Amen? All right. I think I'm going to close and I'm going to pray. So, yeah. So good. Thank you, guys. I mentioned, I mentioned Ava uh, Henderson. God's flowing through her. It's amazing. Uh, our daughter, Evie, a couple years ago, we went out to Bethel, too. And, and we were just praying for people on this road trip. And, like, God started healing people through our little girl. Like, this is my, like, you can even do this with your own family. Make sure you don't count them as some common thing because God has potential. He wants to, he wants to flow through them. So, so I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every individual in this room, Lord God. I pray that we would be a church of honor, Lord God. We would not recognize people, God, for who they were, for their past, Lord God. We would recognize them for their potential, God. I just pray over every person that they would honor the gift that's in themselves, first of all, Lord God. They would recognize that the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, God lives in their heart, and they're, they're not a common thing anymore. They're a new thing. They're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so I pray we'd have a culture here, Lord, of honor. We have a culture here of seeing potential in people, Lord God. We wouldn't count people, whether they're relapsed from recovery, Lord God, whether, they're, whether they came to church and they messed up the night before, Lord God. I pray, God, we would, just, we would continue to sign up and, and um, believe, God, the best about them, Lord God. And so, God, I just pray that, yeah, we would see people for their full potential. We'd be a church of honor. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen.